0: If you would open your Bibles uh, today to the fifth chapter of Ephesians. That's where we'll be today in a study of Yahweh's word. I started to tell y'all to open to the book of Zechariah and once you got there I tell you that I wasn't gonna be in Zechariah. I just want to see if you knew where it was at. <laughs> no, I figured I had a few verses to go to today and y'all probably get tired of me telling you to flip to different places. This message today will be one that we should all be familiar with. Unfortunately, I believe that if, uh, if we've known it in the past, it's probably one that most of us have forgotten. At least I know for me it's an area in which I struggle, I have a hard time with. How many people in here know that uh, we're to be perfect as Yahweh is perfect? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, it says, Be ye perfect therefore as your Father in heaven is perfect. How many people contemplate that verse or consider what it means to be perfect? Well, if you considered it in the past, then that's great. And if you tried to achieve it, then that's even better. However, you and I both know that it is impossible for us to be perfect simply because we're made of flesh. But that doesn't give us the right to make void the words of our Lord and excuse the command to be perfect. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement that is placed on us, and we're to fulfill that command the same way that we're expected to fill any other command that is given to us. We agree, I guess. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, what in the world does that have to do with Ephesians chapter 5? And so uh, let's read the first five verses of chapter 5, and then I'll um, commentate, so to speak, on the verses, and I think I'll tie all the text together, Chapter 5 in Ephesians and verse 1 it says, Therefore, be imitators of the Almighty, as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to the Almighty. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather given thanks. For know and recognize this, no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of Yahweh. Now verse 1 said, therefore be imitators of Elohim as dearly loved children. And we know what to do with the word therefore, right? We have to find out what it's there for. So because verse 1 says, therefore, it should automatically kick us back to the prior few verses where we will regain the context of what we read the last time I talked. So let's do that real quick. We won't go way back for the sake of time, but let's at least go back to the last thought. Let's look at verse 30, and let's start from there. I'm going to read straight through into chapter 5 as if there's no chapter divisions. And I want to see if you can maintain the thought here by Paul and effort not to destroy the context and so that we can understand his reason for verse 1 in chapter 5, okay? J- just a second before I do that, I want to remind you of this. Paul's dealing with a new convert here, okay? He's laying out the necessary prim- principles of life once one has been converted. Remember, we are being renewed in the spirit of our minds. We have put off the former way of life. And we're taking on the new way of life. We're putting on the new man, okay? So with that in mind, let's go from verse 30 of the fourth chapter, and I'll start reading through. Chapter 4 and verse 30 of Ephesians, it says, "And And don't grieve Yahweh's Holy Spirit, who sealed you for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, and slander must be removed from you, along with all wickedness. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Yahweh forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of Yahweh as dearly loved children. Okay. Did you catch that when it's read together? Without the chapter division, verse 32 of chapter 4 explains verse 1 of chapter 5. Paul says in verse 32, he says, Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Yahweh has forgiven you in Christ. Therefore, be like Yahweh, be imitators of Yahweh. So how do we be like Yahweh? We forgive just like He did. We have compassion on one another. I told you a minute ago that we're supposed to be perfect as Yahweh is perfect. Remember Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. So here is one way that we do that. We forgive like Yahweh forgives. We love like Yahweh loves The text here says to be imitators of Yahweh. And because Yahweh forgave us in the Messiah, we are to forgive others as well. The word imitators here is the Greek word mimetai, from which we get our word mimic. Okay, that's where our word mimic comes, our English word. In other words, we are told to do exactly as he has done. To mimic someone doesn't mean to pick up general patterns, but rather to copy specifically the characteristics of something. And let me say this, this is the sum of the Christian life. We are, re- we are to reproduce everything that Yahweh is. That's exactly what Yeshua did. Okay, and we're supposed to be just like Him. And in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 15, Peter writes, As the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in conduct, in your conduct. For it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So we're to mimic Yahweh. Be holy in our conduct, for he is holy. Our brothers and, and brothers and sisters, is this, not, this isn't something new that Peter is talking about here. Peter didn't just come up with this in the New Testament. This is the same thing that Yahweh told Israel at Sinai in Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45. Right after Moses gives the children of Israel the dietary laws, he tells them, You must not defile yourself by eating these detestable things. But instead, you must be holy because I am holy, speaking on behalf of Yahweh. That gives a whole new understanding to the importance of the dietary laws. But this applies to our every action. We're to mimic the holiness of Yahweh. And now you say, well, that's a lot easier said than done. And you're right. It's a lot easier said than done. And to be quite frank about it, you can't possibly do it on your own. It's, it's, you, you just can't do it. You're not going to to make up your mind one day and start being perfect. It doesn't work that way. You're not just going to make up your mind to mimic Yahweh to be just like Yahweh, and just all of a sudden it happens. You can't muster up the strength to be holy. It doesn't. It doesn't happen like that. But that's entirely the point. In order to be like Yahweh, you must first know that you can't be like Yahweh. That's Yeshua's entire message. In the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. In order to be like Yahweh, you must first start with a contrite spirit and a broken heart. That's right. You must first realize that you're a failure. You have to see yourself for who you really are. You have to see yourself for who Yahweh sees you as. When that happens, you'll become broken. You'll mourn over your sin. But you must first start in meekness, where you have an overwhelming sense of sinfulness, to point that you to point that you first that you thirst and hunger for righteousness, okay? And that, my friends, is the great paradox. That's it. On the one hand, you're to be like Yahweh. On the other hand, you can't be like Yahweh. But this very oxymoron is what should drive you to look for a greater power in order to be like Yahweh. And and that greater power is His only begotten Son, because. We can be like Yahweh with the help of Christ who gives us strength. You can't do it on your own, but you can do it with the Holy Spirit as your guide and with Christ as your strength. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 and following, he says, I pray that He may grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width, the height and the depth of Yahweh's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of the Almighty. Folks, we're to be imitators of Him. And while we can't be like Yahweh on our own strength and in our own strength, we can be like Him with His help. With His Spirit dwelling within us, we can be just... Like Him. But again, the first step is to realize that we're not like Him. We're fallen man. And then secondly, this self-examination should create an incredible need and a dependence upon Yahweh's mercy and a cry for His help. Because we need His help to perform the worthy walk that we are called for. Okay? In order to walk this way, He has to help us. But the beauty of it all is that If we're in the Messiah, He's already helping us. If He's already given us a new heart, He's already helping us. He's helping us to become more like His Son, to look more like Him. In chapters 1 through 3 in the book of Ephesians, He's already laid all that out. You remember the first three chapters? They're about what Yahweh has done for us. And now the last three chapters are about what we're to do for Yahweh. This is the practical section of the book. I remember when I was a little bit younger, about 20 years ago, I went to school to be an EMT. For those who don't know what that means, it's an emergency medical technician. The class lasted for um, somewhere around a year, say about 14 months or so, I guess. And The first 12 months was all book work. It was all book work. We went to class and we learned what the laws were, with what the human anatomy was all about, what medicines did and how the body functioned and what made one part do this and one part do that. It was incredibly boring, incredibly boring, but it was necessary because at the end of that long period of time and the book studying and the test and the papers we had to write, we were going to be asked to perform what we had learned in class in practical situations. It wasn't going to be book work anymore. There wasn't just a written test based on the information that was given to us, but rather we had to perform to the standard that we had been taught. We were actually required to do something. It's the same way here in the book of Ephesians. In the first three chapters, Paul has taught these new Christians the doctrine of their salvation. He's told them why they are who they are, where they come from, why Yahweh saved them, why Yahweh chose them and pulled them out of the muck and the mire that he pulled them out of. But now... There's criteria. You've, you've got to act on the basis of who you are. Okay? So this is where the new converts have to apply what they've learned in the, real, in the real life situation. It's about what we do for Yahweh. In other words, it's not just as simple as having the knowledge. You actually have to use it. Okay? You have to use it. So the practical walk involves a lot of stuff. So I hope you've been paying attention for the last two years when I've been teaching in the book of Ephesians. (laughs) So um, in chapter 4, the worthy walk requires humility in verse 2. It involves a walk in unity in verses 4 through 16. It involves a different walk in verses 17 through 32. Not like the world, not like the Gentiles walk, a different walk. We're to look different. Remember that? And now in verse 1 of chapter 5, it requires a love walk. In verse 8 of chapter 5, we're going to learn that it's going to require a walk in light, not in darkness. And in verse 18, we're going to see that it's going to require a sober-filled sober spirit walk. A sober spirit-filled walk, I'm sorry. In verse 22 of chapter 5 and following, we're going to see that it's going to require a family walk. And last but certainly not least, in chapter 6 and verse 10 and following, we're going to see that it's going to require a warfare walk. Folks, this is a practical book. These are things that you have to put into practice. Yahweh's a practical, mighty one. This is not just a philosophy. This is a way of life. This is a way of life. And listen, saints, at the heart of this, this all of this that we're, that we're going to learn, the heart of all of it, is in chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye imitators of Yahweh. If Yahweh is humble, you be humble. If Yahweh is set apart, you be set apart. If Yahweh is one, you be one in unity. If Yahweh is love, then you be love. If Yahweh is light, then you be light. And if Yahweh is a good husband to his wife, the church, then you be a good husband to your your wife. Wives, you do the same. You be good wives to your husbands. If Yahweh is spiritually strong and ready to battle Satan and all the spirit world, then you be ready also. Yahweh has not asked you to be anything that He Himself is not. But know this, He has asked you to be all that He is. He's asked you to be that. Be ye imitators of Yahweh. That is holy and set apart. We are new creatures created in Yeshua. And we have a new standing before Yahweh a new life, a new family, a new inheritance, a new citizenship, a new master, a new freedom, a new victory, a new security, a new spirit, a new peace, a new unity, a new fellowship, a new joy, a new power, a new ability, a new calling, and a new love. We have all those things. That's a whole lot of new. But the greatest of all those new things was love. The greatest of them all is love. Because Yahweh loves in this way, so are we to love in this way. Because He has compassion on us and forgave us in Christ, so also are we to forgive one another. We are to mimic Yahweh this way because we are dearly loved children by the Father. We are to love dearly. Because we're dearly loved, we are to love dearly. Because we are loved with an everlasting, unchangeable love, we are to love our brother with the same exact love. Folks, we are the apple of Yahweh's eyes. We are the crowns in his jewels, or the jewels in his crown. He has chosen us, called us, and quickened us with his grace. And because of his compassion on us and his forgiveness towards us, we must imitate that and show it forth to others. So be ye imitators of Yahweh in forgiveness and in love. Let's look at verse two. It says. And walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to Yahweh. Now don't fall asleep just yet. It's going to get good here in a minute. First, keep in mind the context. It's not changed. Okay, we're still in the same same context. It's not changed. Paul says walk in love, right? This verse is predicated on the basis still of verse 31 and 32 of chapter 4. Now Paul doesn't mention love in verses thirty-one and thirty-two, but it's still the backdrop for the statement, and it, and hinge, that the two—it's the hinge that ties the two things together, the two statements, and the word therefore. Okay, therefore is the word that ties verses thirty-one and thirty-two to verse two. All right. So he says in a nutshell, let's walk the walk of love, put away all things that are not love. And in verse 31 and verse 32, he is very specific to the things that are not love. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult and slander, and all wickedness. That's what we're to get rid of. That's what we got to get shed of. The new walk in love consists of kindness, compassion, forgiveness to one another. So imitate Yahweh in love. You must be characterized by these things. It is love that is kind. It is love that is compassion. It is love that is forgiven. And forgiveness is the main thought within the text because it's it's what is expounded upon in verse 32 where Paul says, just as Yahweh forgave you in Christ. And then he repeats it again here in verse 2 where he says, the Messiah loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant sacrifice or fragrant offering. Forgiveness has to do with sacrifice. It denotes a meaning of self-loss for someone else's gain. And the very heart of forgiveness is love. So the greatest attribute of a Christian is what? It's love. Okay? And what is the greatest way of showing your love? Well, I believe there are many ways to show love. But in dealing with the text here in Ephesians, we're forced into the act of forgiveness as an illustration of great love. After all, this is how Yahweh chose to show His love for us. Yahweh could have said, I think I'll show my love by creating the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And he did that. Mm -hmm. He did that. He could have said, I'll give people wonderful smells and great tasting things as an act of my love. And he did that. Mm -hmm. He could have said, I will love the people in this way. I'll create the most majestic scenes in the world with mountaintops and ocean views, snow-capped mountains, and beautiful fields of fresh grain, and He did all that too. And even though He did all these things, when it comes to the greatest show of love, even though He did all these things, when it comes to the greatest show of love, Yeshua said, Yahweh loved this way. He loved the world in this way. He gave His only begotten Son, so that everyone who believed in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. The famous John 3.16. See, Yahweh's ability to forgive was His greatest exhibition of His love. He had the ability to forgive. He took a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners, a bunch of vile, Yahweh-hating people, and He forgave them for something that they didn't even ask forgiveness for. The single greatest act of love ever known It was on the cross. Do you know that Yahweh has to cause you to love Him? Do you realize that you can't do that on your own? You can't do it. In order to love Yahweh, you have to be obedient to Him, and you can't possibly muster up the desire to be obedient to Yahweh on your own. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Mm -hmm. Yahweh had mercy. Out of His abundant compassion and love, Yahweh reaches down and He snatches our wretched, filthy selves out of the muck and the mire, and He places us on a pedestal. He's already put us in the heavens. We're as good as there. The greatest act that love can ever perform is to forgive the greatest wrong. And that's what Yahweh did. If you ask yourself today, do I mimic the ways of Yahweh, what would your answer be in accordance with this command? What would your answer be? Do you forgive? Do you love? Do you wipe the slate clean when someone asks you to forgive them? Or better yet, do you wipe the slate clean even when someone doesn't ask you to forgive them? That's what Yahweh did. That's what Yahweh did. He saved you before you asked Him. You're as good as saved. And if you walk the walk of love, then I think you will too. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, it says this. It says, above all, meaning above everything else, it says, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. Folks, love keeps no records of wrongs. No records of wrongs. It's not our job to seek out a way to get even with someone who has offended us. It's our place to seek out a way to forgive them. We shouldn't desire to see someone suffer for their wickedness, but rather we should desire to see them to conform to the ways of Yahweh, to walk in the ways of Yahweh. That's what we should want from them. So the next time that somebody does you wrong or offends you, don't look for a way to retaliate against them. Think about the new walk that you're in. Think about that love walk. Think about verses 31 and 32 in chapter 4. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be full of wrath, but rather be compassionate and forgiving of one another. <clears throat> be an imitator of Yahweh. Do you know that Yahweh has slain his son for all the wrong that somebody's already done to you? Mm. Yahweh's already slain his son for that. <clears throat> Do you know that, that um, it doesn't matter how much vengeance you impose on that person? It won't make you feel any better. It just hurts you. That's right. It'll just hurt you. See, the sacrifice has already been made. You can't make someone suffer for what they've already done to you. Christ has already suffered for that. He's already suffered for that. If they're forgiven, if it's somebody within this body, if it's brothers and sisters, Christ has already forgiven them. The price has already been paid. We need to work on ways to love, not hate. Now, I assure you of this, you won't find a more rewarding thing than to ask forgiveness from somebody or to give forgiveness to somebody. It's a great thing. It's a great feeling. Because see, the man that has been forgiven a lot appreciates the grace, not only for himself, but he also extends it to others. It always seems to me that the one who was the most wicked is always the one who appreciates the grace the most. Have you ever noticed that? The murderer, the thief, the prostitute, the drug addict, the homosexual, the idolater, the swindler, those those big crimes, or at least in our mind, those big crimes. When these kinds of people are saved, they're pulled out of that wretched way of life. They're always more appreciative of their salvation and way more compassionate on others than, let's say, the people that have grown up in church all their life. The preacher's kids. Not picking on Matthew's kids. <laughs> Not picking on Matthew's kids. But, but the, religious, the religious pious people, Okay, they don't think they have any sin. The vilest of sinners have so much to be thankful for, whereas the people who consider themselves religiously pious don't seem to be as thankful. But know this, the religiously pious man probably has the greater sin. He has the greater sin, he just doesn't know it. Think about all the people that the Messiah rebukes. Every one of them, just about every single one of them are religiously pious. They're all Pharisees, Sadducees. Those, Those people that thought they had it all figured out They're the ones that get rebuked. My point is, he who has been forgiven much will be more compassionate of others. And believe me, whether you think you're seriously wretched or seriously pious, you have been forgiven much. You have been forgiven much. Any amount of righteousness that you have is yet but filthy rags to Almighty Yahweh. And yet He gave the ultimate sacrifice of His Son in order to forgive you of that filth. The ultimate love of Yahweh is shown in His forgiveness through His Son. And we are to be imitators of Yahweh in forgiveness and in love. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke 7. Better get on the right page here. I was just going to read Luke 6. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 36, and I'm going to read it through to the end of the chapter. Luke 7, starting in verse 36, it says this It says, Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him, speaking of the Messiah. He entered the Pharisees' house, and he reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Yeshua was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet. Let me make a point before we read any further. Number one, this woman is called a sinner. Sinner here denotes a prostitute in this, in this context. The alabaster oil that she has brought with her is a highly, highly expensive oil in these in, in these times. And the money that she bought this alabaster flask with is probably something that she received from performing her profession. Okay? So um, think about how kind of swanky this is, walking up to the Messiah. Okay? All right, so back in verse... Um, Thirty-seven. Reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair of her head, with her with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself: "Notice, he says this to himself." This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. And Yeshua replied to him. The man didn't speak out loud, but Yeshua read his mind. He says, Yeshua replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he said, say it. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. One denarii is about a day's wages. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them would love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing me, kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she's loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Folks, we have been forgiven of much, of a lot, a whole lot. And because of that, we must forgive much. Remember, this is the greatest illustration of the greatest attribute of the Christian character love. I want to read something to you. When I was studying this week, I, um, I was listening to a, a preacher on this on this chapter right here, on this set of verses, and he quotes from a man named Robert Fal- Falconer. I don't know if you know who that is. He was a um, he was a theologian uh, in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and um, wrote several books. And I've got it on my phone, and so I, it may not. I, I'm kind of, it's in real small print, and I'm, I'm gonna, but I want to read it to you because um, he's witnessing to somebody about the seventh chapter in the book of Luke one day. And I want you to hear the response of a broken woman. It says Falconer, sit down on the side of the road. Falconer sat down on the side of the on the side of the bed and read the story of Simon the Pharisee, and the woman that was a sinner. When he when he ceased. When he ceased, the silence that followed was broken by a sob from somewhere in the room. The sick woman stopped her moaning and said, "Turn down the leaf there, please, sir." Lily White will read it to me when you're gone. Someone sobbed again. It was a young, slender girl with a face disfigured by the smallpox, and save for the tearful look it wore, it wore poor and expressionless. It were it poor and expressionless. Falconer said something gentle to her. And she says, will he ever come again? And she sobbed. Who? asked Falconer. Him. Jesus Christ. I've heard tell. I think that he'll come again someday. He says, why do you ask? Because, she said, with a fresh burst of tears which rendered the words that followed unintelligible. But she recovered herself in a few moments and it and as if, it, as if finishing her sentence, put her hand up to her poor, thin, colorless hair and said, My hair ain't long enough. I can't hardly read it. The, the print's so small on my phone. But the point was, she wanted to do the same to wash, her, to wash her Lord's feet, but her hair wasn't long enough. To him who is forgiven little, little will he forgive but to who, him who has forgiven much, much will he forgive. In closing, I want to I want to read chapter thirteen of First Corinthians, the love chapter. And as we read through it, I want to keep I want you to keep in mind that we are all to walk in love. as the Messiah loved us and gave Himself for us, a complete and total sacrifice that we were not worthy of. And this is how we are to love others. Let's read First Corinthians chapter thirteen. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak the languages of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to the poor, to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not conceited. Does do not love does not act improperly. Is not selfish. Is not provoked. Does not keep a record of wrongs. Finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's close and pray. Yahweh Father, we thank you for this day. Yahweh, you are a great king. You are a great, mighty one. Father, forgive us of our sins, please, and teach us to love. Teach us to love. Teach us to forgive. Yahweh, wipe away the smug looks that we have on our face. Help us to be humble. Help us to be merciful and kind. Father, give us the love that you have for us so that we might see through people, be forgiven of people. Help people in a time of need. Father, you are you're the perfect king, the perfect father. You set the perfect example. You've given us the perfect instructions, and all we have to do is pay attention and abide by your commands. Now I pray that you give us the strength to do that. Let us be perfect as you are perfect, Father. Help us along the way to honor you, to honor your son, to appreciate the sacrifice that was made for us. Father, we lift you up today, give you praise, honor, and glory for all that you've done. We ask all this in Your Holy Son's name. Amen. Amen.